Welcome to the 49ers' very first episode of the Inside the Oval podcast. Every month, we'll be talking to people throughout the 49ers organization, including executives, alumni, and front office staff, to discuss what it's like to be a part of the San Francisco 49ers and to uncover some of the really cool work people do behind the scenes. I have the honor of being joined by 49ers president Al Guido. Al, thank you so much for being here. I truly can't think of anyone better to kick off this first episode with. I appreciate that. Well, happy to get into it. I want to take it back a little bit. As a podcast about jobs and sports, I don't know a lot of people who have this glamorous how they got their foot in the door story. I heard that your first job in sports was actually in the basement of the Philadelphia Spectrum. Is that true? That is true. I was, um, yeah, I was, I, I left the job as a financial advisor to take a uh, $6, telemark- $6 an hour telemarketing gig um, on behalf of a company called Comcast Spectacore, who were the owners of the 76ers and the Philadelphia Flyers. And so I worked in the basement of the Spectrum selling what was then and is now again uh, the Philadelphia Wings, which is indoor lacrosse. As someone who was a Philly fan, got their start in Philly sports, um, I know you went to the Cowboys for a little bit and now are here. How does your family deal with like game days? Do you have any rivalries happening? None whatsoever. Um, Everybody is a diehard 49ers fan. Um, You know, I grew where it where I grew up, obviously, my family was Philadelphia Eagles fans, um, so they, they did not have an easy time adjusting to my work at the Cowboys. But um, my parents were big Notre Dame fans, big Joe Montana fans, to the point where I played quarterback uh, in all throughout my youth and then in high school and, and wore Joe's number for a period of time. And so uh, I think they had this, you know, affinity for the team and, and obviously everything that, you know, the offense and they just loved watching it. But so now, no, the game days are easy. My, um, my mother now lives out here. My father still lives back in on the East coast, but he comes out for the entire football season. My brother and sister now live here. So my entire family outside of my dad, is here and uh, they're all uh, with me on game day, inclusive of my kids, all wearing red and gold. Uh, so it's been it's been a family affair for the last however long I've been here now since since really the start of opening Levi Stadium. On those game days, do you guys have any traditions that you've upheld or started? Um, I, the family, I'm not sure if they have one. I have one. Um, I always on uh, on game day as as a small as a former athlete, but at a very small level or lower level than obviously pros. Um, I, every morning I get up on game day, get myself, you know, I pack the night before for the game. Um, I wake up and I go, you know, I leave the house. Uh, I listen to literally like. You know, either it's either the AM station or the radio, but I get here, I go for a run inside the stadium. I take the same route every single game. Um, generally listen to probably the same same songs uh, and then go back, get changed, uh, watch some of the early games and then go back down to the field and then on the box. But family, family all meet at my house and then they drive over and um, we meet down on the field pregame. 
I always watch the first uh, first and first drive on both offense and defense from the field, uh, and then I head up to head up to my area where I watch it from uh, to sit with the rest of my family. Uh, one of my favorite game day traditions is watching Robert Sala run stairs before the game. Ever thought about joining him doing that? Yeah, I give him a hard time because I always say like he made it famous. I was I was doing it before he was, but no, no, no one, everybody, you know, as they should, they care about our defensive coordinator. But no, there's a number of people that do it. Uh, you know, Crowley goes out there and runs them. Uh, Michael Clay was out there doing it for a while, and so. It's been kind of a tradition ever since I've been here to some degree. Um, Coach Sala took it to another level, and it's become obviously his thing. But I normally do a few of the stairs. Uh, I run – actually, when I first started, I would run like the parking lots because I really wanted to get a feel. Like to me, it was like, okay, how's this game going to be? What's the environment? So I'd actually run out into the tailgate lots, um, and no one knew who I was. So it was, it was kind of, I mean, I would just run around and try to get a sense for how many cars were parked that early. Um, and now like I generally do some of the parking lots and the stadium. Um, but at the time I run, there's not many people in the lots, but maybe one day I'll actually take Sala on and see if I can do, see who can do more stairs. <laughs> Let me know that day. I got to get in much better shape. He's in pretty good shape. <laughs> so I'll check it out. Speaking of going out into the parking lots are in the past you and uh, John Lynch have gone out in the helmet car. Can you talk about your experiences just with the fans embracing Levi stadium, embracing you and the team? Yeah. The, our fans um, for, to me, they've been amazing. Like, uh, you know, the first year we, we went through our hiccups um, on the, at least on my side of the job, right? Like the, the parking, transportation, you know, it just wasn't great. Um, and it's always hard in the first year of a building. Like we were going through a lot of changes, you know, we're moving, um, stadium was new, you know, you get to a point where construction finishes right before you're about to play a game. So it's really tough to kind of do those sort of smaller events to let you practice. And, and so we struggled, but the fans have, they've stayed with us and we've done our best, I think, to make changes for the better on the fan experience side. And then obviously when John and Kyle got here, things really started to click on the field side. And so you marry those two together, which um, has led to an unbelievable, you know, experience inside of Levi stadium. And I always knew we were like, it was, you know, the building itself could really light up, um, you know, when we blend, you know, when we got the on-field experience to, to marry with the off-field experience and, that came to fruition last off season in the playoffs. It was really good to kind of feel like, wow, this place can really be a home field advantage for our team. And yeah, the parking lots, all it really does is um, reinforce what I already think I know, which is I believe this to be the best fan base in the national football league. And I'm proud to support them in whatever way I can. And um, you know, all I say is like at my core, I'm a fan. Uh, I grew up a fan of this sport. I love this sport. I love coming to game days. Um, there's just nothing like being in a venue um, with 70,000 of your closest friends. And so when John and I go out, it's just awesome. It's awesome to interact and give hugs. And last year, I, I even did the Bosa, uh, you know, uh, water slide dive with our fans. Um, so this sports is about sports entertainment and having fun and that part with doing that with John during the holidays to give away a bunch of stuff to the fans who give us so much. It's frankly the least we can do. 
with at least for the first game of the season, not unfortunately having fans at the stadium, how are you working to make sure that we are still including fans in ex- in the experience and showing them that love still? Yeah, it's a bummer. Um, I mean, it's one of those things where like, yeah, you're conflicted, right? I mean, I, the, the, what we're dealing with right now is bigger than sport, both in, you know, the pandemic and also the social injustice, racial injustice in the world today. Um, and, you know, we're really taking our lead from state and county officials on, on health and safety and not having fans in the building, I think is a smart way to go, but I'd be lying if it's not bittersweet. And I, yeah, I think I know it's the right thing to do and, and we'll put our games on and our, but we're all going to miss our fans. Um, and my hope is that, I'm sort of a glass half full type of person. My hope is that, you know, the, the the much smarter people than me on the front lines and doctors and scientists continue to have breakthroughs, um, whether they be vaccines or therapeutics that frankly allow all of us to get back to some semblance of normal because I think we all desperately need it. Um, I know I do. I, I miss being around people and, and being around our fans. So we'll start the season off with none. Um, but my hope is, you know, as we move forward throughout the year, that we'll be able to have a, a percentage of them. I don't think, obviously, that we'll ever get, you know, we, we won't get back to full capacity this year from my perspective. But I do think maybe we can get back to some limited capacity, which will bring some juice to the stadium. And then on your side, keeping them engaged, it's it's about what we're doing here. But it's also about what, you know, 49 Studios and Broad you know, does with, you know, bringing our content directly to our fans, giving them an idea of not just what happens on the field, but off the field. So proud of our team, um, uh, the people that they are, what they represent, um, and the people in our front office. Uh, this uh, this organization really does a tremendous job, and I'm proud to be a part of it. and And if we can show uh, the fan base, I think the human side of of ourselves and our team and our players, um, that's a positive. Absolutely, and culture has been talked about a lot on the field, in the locker room, but as someone who works in the front office, I can vouch for the fact that it is equally as talked about amongst us and um, building that kind of camaraderie. How do you go about creating an environment that is, I mean, continually ranked on Bayer's list of the best places to work and is so well-respected throughout the league? There are so many verticals and this organization that you oversee, um, how do you go about creating continuity there? Well, it's, I mean, as you know, like I start all my emails with team. um, And I firmly, firmly believe like just because I don't, or we don't play on the field, we don't catch passes. We don't tackle anybody. We don't throw any passes. um, It takes a collective team to have success. And, we're all one big unit and we're only as good as the sum of our parts. And I feel like, you know, my job is to, you know, essentially hire really good, smart people and and then let them do their job. And of course, like make sure that the hero feature is always the hero feature, which is the game um, on the field. And so, you know, we have simple mantras here. I mean, you know, at least in my life, it's always like, work hard and be nice, be kind to people. Um, and then at the same time, like I, I, I'd like to believe we live our why, which is to go a step further for someone. So they feel part of our family. And, you know, when you put those things through those simple lenses, um, 
I think you find a culture that cares about each other, that holds each other accountable. Like there's no question that, you know, we want to be the best. We want to win a Super Bowl um, again. We want to be the best in any business metric. Um, but we don't want to be the best at somebody else's, you know, um, you know, sort of, uh, you know, to, to put other people down, right? We want to be the best because, um, you know, we've created an environment that, that supports each other and encourages each other. And at the same time, holds each other accountable for when we do mess up. And, you know, we're going to lose games on the field. And frankly, we're not, we're not going to be perfect in our stadium operation. And I think being transparent around when you're not perfect and what changes you need to make, that's what really endears people to a brand and to a team. And, you know, it's, it's overcoming obstacles and, and objections that a lot that brings people together. And so uh, I got into sports because I love the team camaraderie part of it. Um, I love the fact that, you know, you can be in a stadium um, pre COVID and be sitting next to someone who's a complete stranger. And within five seconds, three guys are like your best friends, you're hugging each other, you're high fiving. And I just feel like there's no other place where that happens in the world. And um, once you break it down to those core things, which is we're all here for sports, we're all here for the love of it. We're here for the love of each other, our teammates, our people, our fans. Um, you try to put a smile on your face, and I think that's what leads to a really good culture. Yeah, and I think that's something that every all-hands meeting, every email that is reinforced, and we all are united in that one goal. I found an article, right. and it's going back quite a ways to 2013. And it's from Bleacher Report, and it was called, What Exactly Does Each Member of an NFL's Front Office Do? And I wanted to read you the job responsibilities section of what they said a team president does. So see if you could prove or disprove some of these things. And I guess also talk about how they may have changed, if at all, since 2013. I know we are definitely doing more digital than is advertised, but I might just be, you know, biased to that. Okay. So it says job responsibilities include seeking advertisers, marketing the team's brand, setting ticket prices, coordinating the team's travel logistics, stadium maintenance, payroll, and other similar tasks. Yeah, I'd say, I mean, they don't have them all in there, but they have they have a good portion of them. Um, I think I think the ones that they leave out, which I which I which I'm so proud of, and you mentioned it as part of our intro into here around some of the things we do as a team is, frankly, all the things we do in the community. Um, yeah, I think oftentimes the easy ones to point to are kind of like the the revenue generating aspects of it, and we all know we're in a for profit business, and it's you know we we have those elements, but um, when I came to work here and got to know the York family, um, and their passions for being involved in the community, especially within the education vertical, uh, it really was something that spoke to me. Uh, I was, you know, I was fortunate enough to be the first member of my family to get a college degree. Um, and I know how important that was to have people that supported me. And so, uh, I, I often find like, you know, pick a pick an industry you're really passionate about and you'll find yourself really happy to do your job. And I always say, like, you know, what drives what drives me is like when I put my two feet 
on the on the floor every single morning. I sprint to work and then I sprint home because I can't wait to see my family. And I sprint to work because I think we really do amazing things that most people probably don't think of when they think of a, a football organization and uh, you know, especially in the community, you know, the education, and the football piece. Um, those are things that change my life, you know, playing sports and football and the understanding, you know, it's like the greatest microcosm of like you, you literally get knocked down and you have to get back up. And I think the life lessons it teaches you alongside of having tremendous educators at your, you know, you know, at your hip or, or encouraging you along the way really truly can lead to, to immense amount of success for someone in their life. And there's just, unfortunately, not enough resources to go around. And so what we do on that front of our organization, I truly, truly believe changes lives. And um, I would say like, that's not me, that's the York family. I, I get to, you know, obviously see the business plans and make decisions, but that would not happen in our organization if not for the passion, energy, and financial support of this family. With both the social justice initiatives recently, the million-dollar donation by the York family, and the uh, EDU digital playbook going completely online, and the prep summer camp, which also was an online program. How do you see the 49ers organization, those off-field aspects, kind of changing and adjusting? Well, two things I would say. I'll start with the educational piece. Um, You know, COVID in and of itself has only really opened up everybody's eyes to the divide in our country of, you know, called, you know, those who, who are in probably lower income areas, like the virtual learning world. I have three young daughters, as you know, um, they're 11, nine and seven. And, uh, obviously I'm fortunate enough to be here and do this and, and they've done a good job at my school and, you know, not everybody has those. And, what concerns me as a citizen, um, and then obviously as a member of this organization, is to um, what is being left behind. Uh, not just the educational, but the social interaction. The you know, as they call it, the emotional intelligence, the being around people. Like, yeah, we've all found a way to do our jobs in this world. We're doing this now. We do you know these other calls, but you, know, you can't substitute human interaction and, and learning. Um, in my opinion. And so our organization is trying to do the best job we can raising money to give back to, you know, certain nonprofits that are really trying to bridge the divide of, you know, sort of economic, uh, uh, you know, the economic divide inside of our educational system. And so, you know, I'm proud of that. And then on the social justice front, um, we obviously as a country just, you know, we're, we have a lot more to do. Um, you know, if the, if the last couple of months haven't made that obvious to everyone, I mean, you know, this has been going on for a long period of time and I'm proud of the conversations that we've had inside of our organization, um, our players, uh, our, our African-American employee group, um, have really led the charge to educate, um, not just our organization, but to make sure that we're moving things forward in our community. And, you know, this just didn't start a couple months ago for us. This has been something that this family has been a part of for longer than I've been here. It dates all the way back to the Bill Walsh days and Harry Edwards and even the diversity program inside the NFL is named after Bill Walsh. So this is something that 
it's just, it's not new. It's not some fad. It's something that, you know, this organization and this family believes in. Obviously we're, you know, we're proud that, you know, Jed put money into, into the community. We're about to announce who those, you know, what, who that, what that million dollars is going to, or who that million dollars is going to. And all I'll say is that's not, we're not going to stop there. There's so much more we all, we all can do and we will do uh, in the coming months and years ahead. On that education aspect of what you were saying, as a front office and coaches and players, we've been having town halls. But even before that, you were instrumental in having the ability to do leadership training. And we have done um, and just keeping people, giving people the ability to continue to grow in whatever fields they'd like. Is that something you experienced in another workplace and brought with you? Yeah, I, I just, I go back to, um, uh, I'm all for stealing a really good idea when you, when you have it or a good concept, you know, I'm sure Kyle would say the same thing about a good play, right? Um, there's no pride in authorship if something's really good and it can work. And so I've been blessed in my life to be around people. And when you think about culture, it comes down to like, you know, do they truly care about you? Um, and, and I think for, for me, uh, humans can, you know, can continue to develop. Uh, we can continue to learn. Uh, if you have a thirst for learning and, and development, then, you know, we want to be able to, to feed that, that hunger. And so I, I think every individual wants to be better. Um, they want to be held accountable. They want to grow uh, within their profession, both personally and professionally. And it's our jobs um, to be able to provide them with the resources necessary to uh, allow them to do that. And sometimes you bring in outsiders. And, and so you mentioned our town halls, right? I mean, I, you know, whether that's uh, I, uh, a person like Van Jones, who's spoken to our front office or on the leadership side, I've, I've in the past brought in gentlemen like Simon Sinek, who's um, been really good thought leader in and around uh, culture and leadership. Uh, we've brought in folks from the military to go through that. So uh, I just have a tremendous thirst for 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 getting better, um, and I think the way to do that is education. And so. It comes in all different shapes and sizes. And, you know, I'm proud that our organization has been able to do that over the course of time. Um, and I hope that it's led to a tremendous amount of personal growth for not just, you know, um, for, for our employees. I was in one of those Simon Sinek discussions and he said, uh, success is... Uh, when reality catches up to your imagination. And I thought that was really interesting because there is, in the 49ers especially, this idea that you don't settle or work on what has been done and there is always this need to continue growing and continue advancing. And I was wondering, we are almost in 75 years, right? That's 2021 now. Where do you see the organization in the next 75 years? How do you see it changing or what do you hope to see 75 or I guess 76 years from now? <laughs> um, I love that quote, by the way. Um, I, I'll start with the sport because I think it's at the fundamental 
reason why we're all here. If if the sport didn't exist and the players weren't there, then there wouldn't be this passion and pride for for what it is. So I'm I'm very pleased uh, at where the sport is now competitively, um, and I and I think from a health and safety perspective, it continues to get better. And I know that obviously it will always be, you know, it's a physical contact sport as we know, but I do think that the league and the players association are doing a, a, a good job on moving the sport forward so that it will continue to be played for, for years to come um, because I'm such a big fan of it on the, um, on the business side. I hope we're probably in the same spot we are like, yeah, there'll be things that come along technology wise that will make us more efficient and things of that nature. But um, I don't know. There's, there's like, I, I hope that what insert, whatever this is for you, but like, for me, I, I love the game. So if the game is played and still exists in the way that it does with some tweaks, I'm in. If you give me a beer and a hot dog, I'm in. Like, you know, yeah, like throughout the game, play some good music, like I'm in. So I don't know. I think sometimes we, you know, I'm, I'm even guilty of this. Like you, you, you know, you see this new thing or new fad or, you know, and you, and you go do it. And I think it's, it's all doable. It's all cool. Um, but I, I feel like the thing that always kind of you come back to is like the simplistic nature of why we love um, sport or why we love going to an event. And for me, it's all about community, friends, family, players, um, and just sheer entertainment. It's, it's, uh, and I, if, if that happens 75 years from now, uh, I won't be here, but if my girls can, can sit in a seat and watch a sport they love for players, they have an immense amount of respect for, um, and enjoy some good times with some good friends. Like I'll be a happy person. Final question for you. Every job listing has that ominous other duties as assigned. Even that Bleacher Report article said and other similar duties. Is there anything that you didn't expect to be doing as the 49ers team president that you've taken on or had to do? Good question. Um, I think um, what I wasn't, what I totally didn't appreciate is that inside of big organizations, any big organization, um, not everybody, it's, it's unlikely that in any given day, everybody has a great day. Um, and so when you want, when you run like one department, let's just say like you run sales and the sales team has a tremendous day and everybody goes and celebrates. I think what I've gotten used to now um, is, you know, there's, there's frankly probably every single day where somebody's pretty bummed out. Something didn't go their way. You know, we made a mistake. Um, and so dealing with the, the human interaction um, almost like, I'm not a psychologist by any stretch of the imagination, but, um, you know, I've often found that again, it's so analogous to football, right? I mean, if one player, Kyle talks about this, doesn't do, um, his job on the field, it doesn't matter if the other 10 do, it can totally break a play down. And so dealing with 
the intricate pieces of how to actually put on successful events is so delicate um, that I wasn't sure that I totally appreciated all that until I stepped into the job. So I can see where you would come from for that. But I have to thank you immensely. It told you earlier it would be criminal if you weren't the first guest for this podcast. So thank you so much for coming on and speaking with me about the 49ers and your role kind of making sure it runs. Wow. Thanks for having me on and I appreciate everything you do. Um, I'm looking forward to kicking off the season. So, um, And to all the faithful out there, uh, hang in there with us. Uh, I hope to see you very soon.